I think everybody has, you know, some kind of creative genius that that they could be doing. You know, I think a lot of us are kind of programmed, you know, from a very young age to uh, to kind of, um, uh, you know, bury that part. This is Measured Voices, Episode 14. I'm Walt Huntsman. Join me as I sit down with longtime Nashville songwriter Bruce Michael Miller. A recent Idaho transplant, Bruce talks about the move and differences in the two music scenes. We talk about his music and love of collaboration, the magic of songwriting, the importance of creativity, and about staying positive. And toward the end, the interviewer becomes the interviewed. Next on Measured Voices. Okay, so I want to I want to start off by asking you about the recent move. Now, you you recently relocated to Idaho from from Nashville, right? Uh, why make the move, and why Idaho? <laughs> well, I just used the simple answer of it was a redhead. So I mean that you know that's that's kind of how it happened. I met someone who lives out here and. We fell in love, and I came out here to, to be closer to her because she can't really leave Twin Falls. I think there's a lot of other factors that factored in. I was you know, ready to leave Nashville. I've been there for about 23 years and um, just kind of got to the point in my life where I felt like it was time for me to change everything. So I did. So as someone who's, who's spent a lot of time in Nashville and, and now you've spent been in Idaho for not quite a year. Uh, what kinds of differences, maybe not so obvious differences for people, have you noticed in, in terms of music? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, one of the there's several several things on the plus side that I like. It's um, you know, in Nashville, I was one of seventy thousand songwriters, and here uh, not so much. You know, so I'm kind of more of a a big fish in a little pond rather than a little fish in a big pond, which is nice. I'm getting more recognition for the time and effort that I put into the craft over the last 23 years, and um, I really like that. There's a lot more um, actual work here as a singer-songwriter that pays money. Um, In Nashville, most everyone, I mean, pretty much everyone plays for free. There's lots of venues to play for, um, but none of them pay because there's just so many people that want to play um, that it just becomes kind of more like a um, more like a social thing than it does a business thing. I mean, it, it, we do it for networking there, but it's just um, you have to do other things to generate income rather than playing. Um, most people, you have to go out of town. A friend of mine who uh, actually just passed away this week, C.J. Watson, said that you could make a million dollars in Nashville, but you can't make 50. <laughs> so, you know, there's the, the possibility of big um, recognition and stardom, but um, it's just really hard to make a living for everyone else, you know. And that's, you know, the percentages are, are low of, of people that go there and become stars, you know, and the the talent pool is tremendous. Um, that's one thing I've noticed. You know, I'm in Twin Falls now, and just trying to find um, professional musicians. It's 
different because in Nashville, it's just if you throw a rock, you're going to hit a great drummer, you know, mm-hmm. or a great bass player. You have to really look um, to find them, you know, here because there's just not that much. I guess um, there's set, not that many of them, and a lot of them leave, you know, to go to places right. where there's more opportunities. Um, so, so there's a balance, you know. There's good things and and things that are a little more difficult here. So, okay. that's what I've noticed so far. Well, and I have a uh, some friends, uh, a musical family from here, who recently decided to make that jump to Nashville mm-hmm. to try to make it, and uh, that kind of. Gets me to this question. Um, with the advent of the internet, internet and and social media and the like, is it still necessary for a singer or songwriter or band to to move someplace like Nashville or Austin in order to uh, or some other music city in order to make it, as it were? Um, that's a good question. I think that I think it's really necessary for all musicians to to broaden their horizons and you know going to a place like nashville or or la or new york or chicago you know where there's a where there's a lot more people and a lot more talent um it kind of it's like it raises the bar so you really have to um to dig in and do the work necessary to you know to compete in those places it's kind of like a training ground that's what I thought, you know, felt like Nashville was. Um, it's a great training ground, you know, to just be a world-class songwriter or a world-class musician, because that's who's there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, Larry Carlton lives there, um, and uh, Michael McDonald lives there, and uh, Peter Frampton lives there. I mean, all these amazing, amazing musicians live there. So it's just like the culture of... Of excellence is there, and it it kind of kicks you in the butt, you know. If you can't rise up to to a high level of playing, then you know most people that that are intimidated by it or it's too hard, you know, end up not staying. And um, so I think I think it's necessary for bands to you know and musicians to go there and just kind of see where they where they fit, how they measure up, like what. What work do they have to do? You know, how how far along are they in their songwriting? Like you, you can sit here in Idaho or any other you know town or state where there's not a huge amount of musicians and think that you're pretty great. And when you go there, you're going to see really how where you kind of stack up. So it's it's really good. I think you know it really kicked my butt when I went there as a songwriter. You know, that's why I went. I didn't go as a musician. I happened to be, you know, a guitarist and um, and play professionally when I, you know, before I went to Nashville. But um, it's just, you know, it really is inspiring to be around other people who are just really, you know, trying to um, hone their craft and be excellent. So that's the that's the good thing about it. That's why I recommend that people go there and see what it's like. I don't know that you need to live there, but I think that you need to you need to have. Um, it needs to be part of one of the part of a place that you frequent. It doesn't have to be Nashville. It could be Los Angeles. Um, you know, just a population center where there's a lot of great players. Now Boise, you know, is be, is starting to become that. 
you know, from what I understand, I haven't been here that much, but, you know, there's kind of an influx of, you know, really um, top-notch players and writers coming here. Well, there certainly are a lot of players and writers here, I know. Yeah. Uh, just from my experiences with yeah. the Idaho Songwriters Association. Yeah. Now, Twin Falls is a little different. You know, there's not, not so many. Well, talk about that. What is... Uh, now, you, you do perform in Boise some, but you're based out of Twin Falls now. What is that music scene like? And, and if I remember right, I, I think I read somewhere that you're trying to kind of help change that a little bit, You or were with uh, doing open mics and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, we're there's several musicians there that really want to um, build a community there, you know, and so the the main um, main avenue in... In Twin Falls has been renovated in the last year, and all these beautiful old, um, you know, 100, 150 year old buildings and warehouses and businesses that have been there um, and have changed, you know, from a drugstore to a, a liquor store to a, a bar to a restaurant. Um, you know, there a lot of people have moved in and they're putting some really nice places in there. So there's getting to be more places to perform. Um, I mean, I have to travel to to perform um, enough to make a living. So um, I do house concerts and I travel around the United States. I still go back to Nashville um, four or five times a year so far. So far, that's my plan. Um, so we're, you know, we're working on it. You know, I work with a, a woman named Heather Platts, who's a great, great songwriter and performer that has played here. And um, there's several other people who are just kind of trying to, you know, raise the bar on things. There's a lot of, you know, people who are, um, I call them kind of hobbyist musicians. And, you know, some of them are good and some of them, um, I like to say, could develop their skills a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I would never say anybody sucks. I just don't do that because we're all at different levels, mm-hmm. you know, and we all... Um, you know, I certainly can get better too. So, so that's where we're we're at. Um, you know, I think I think it's it's on the upswing. You know, Boise's getting to the point where it's it's hard to find places to live here, and and so people are looking at Twin Falls and going, hmm. You know, there's work there, and it's a nice town. You know, it's so um, so we're working on that. So it's an up and coming work in progress. Yeah, it's a work in progress, and I'm, you know, currently looking for a place um, to do an open mic because I feel that they're really important to help develop the music community because there's a lot of people, you know, that are really talented who are just not getting out there, you know, because they don't have the experience, and so um, we're trying to offer a place for that. I had one going for a little while, and that didn't quite work out with the venue, but we're going to um, still looking for another place. To, uh, to do that there. so um, And I've run several open mics. I really enjoy doing that because there's, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, just don't get out there. And and um, the first couple that we had, I was really pleasantly surprised at the talent that's lurking. What about um, the audience for for? For local live music in Twin Falls, how what is that? That's something that needs to be that needs to be a little bit more developed. People are not used to having places to go at night. You know, there's some bars, you know, that are more like 
um, just places that people go to drink and hang out. And but there, as far as music venues and and developing the arts, I think that's kind of what um, people aren't quite used to knowing that there's places they can go to hear music. But they're certainly open to it. And it's funny because we, you know, I get to play um, original music a lot, like as much as I want. Um, a lot of places, you know, they want you to play mostly cover music. Right. You know, so usually the balance is like 30 or 30% original, 70% cover. Here I could, do, I could do a whole night of cover music and, you know, people are happy with it. We Actually, we just... Um, I just played with Heather. Um, we have a duo called Crazy Love, and we played at um, the Mode downtown in Boise. It's on Idaho, or it's on the corner of Eighth and Idaho. And um, they would not let us play any cover tunes. They said we want three hours of original music. There you go. So, which I could do easily. Well, on the subject of original music, uh, this might be a good spot. Uh, to hear one, if, if you got one you could do for us. Um, okay. Well, you know, this This is a song that I really um, I like a lot because it's a little bit, um, it's a song that makes you think a lot. It's a friend of mine, uh, Joe Hash, and I wrote this. It was, you know, during one, after one of the shootings that, you know, are becoming more and more common in the in the country. And we were talking about, the gun debate, you know, and we decided that um, we wanted to write a song about guns that didn't take any sides, that wasn't like pro, anti, whatever. We just wanted to kind of lay the facts out, and so we thought the best way to do that was to write from the point of view of the gun. So the singer in this song is actually the gun. So it's kind of like... um, I don't know what they call that. Um, uh, when you take um, an inanimate object and sing from that point of view or talk from that point of view. So uh, this song is called Gun. I rolled in with the tide On Spanish ships of old In service to a queen In search of spice and gold When I announced my presence Like thunder from the sky I made the natives bow to me And then I made them die Cause I'm a god I'm a demon Fortune fire, you better run. I'm a gun. Gun. Well, I put food on your table with every deer I drop. I'm a warning to a stranger who might take what you've got. Keep me in your pocket And they know you're packing heat It's how I make a small man A big man on the street I am passion I am power 
I am death And I'm a judge I'm a gun Gun And if you're staring down my barrel You see your whole life flash If your finger's on my trigger You'll be leaving with the cash The criminal, the crazy The lawman or the freak The innocent, the guilty They're all the same to me Cause I'm a gun Gun Well I've overrun the world with armies of evil I've defeated those armies in the hands of good people Love me or hate me, I'll make you all equal I can lift you up I'll mow you down like a reaper Mount me on a tank Have me in a purse I'm a right, a wrong, a freedom, I'm a curse I will do your bidding, I will do your worst And I will do it for anyone Anyone Cause I'm a gun 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 Gun. Great tune. Fun gun. <laughs> well, now that we've heard one of your songs, how if somebody were to come up to you and ask you to tell them about your music, how would you describe your music to others? Oh, boy. Well, you know, I spent 20 years in Nashville writing songs that I would hope would be cut by other people. So, um, I mean, naturally, you know, who I am and what I think and and how I feel are in all of my songs. So, um, but I don't write from a, a the point of view of, like, myself as an artist, Um I just try to write the best song that I can, and then I kind of pick through all those those songs to see what really fits um, kind of who I am as as a person. So I, you know, a lot of people will, will only write songs that they're going to sing, you know, and they all sound um, they have a sound, they have a similarity, um, a style, you know, like mm-hmm. Sting or. Um, you know, just just a different artist, um, and so when I'm choosing songs for the my performances, I try to excuse me pick the ones that I feel like are ones that fit um, kind of what I'm going through and what I'm feeling at that particular time, and kind of probably the more meaty songs that I have more meaningful, um, deeper, more in- what I think is more interesting of song. So, um, you know, because I have a lot of songs that are kind of light and fluffy, which would maybe be good on the radio, which I wouldn't necessarily want to sing myself mm-hmm. because I just don't feel um, that connected to them uh, emotionally, I guess. So, 
Um, stylistically, I write, um, I love country music. I love the way that the lyrics work in a country song. I love story songs. Um, so like that, like, like Gun is a story song. Right. You know, it's a story, it's my story as a gun. You know, I came over with the Spaniards, you know, and, you know, made my presence known. And then, you know, kind of worked up to the present day. And um, so I don't know if that really answers your question. I, you know, I'm based, my influences are all over the place. I, you know, I started playing guitar because I, I heard um, uh, Cream, you know, that band with Eric Clapton mm-hmm. and... You know, something about his guitar playing really um, grabbed me, that I just loved his tone and his approach and his fluidity and everything about his playing just spoke to me in on some really deep level. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, I have blues influences in my music, um, country, I love funk and I love soul music and so whatever kind of comes out of, you know, a lot of it's driven by my guitar playing you know the riffs that i have and um so that's you know a lot of the songs that i play kind of come from maybe come from a riff or a musical um some kind of musical idea um or they might come from a title like gun actually gun came from that that lick you know which just happens to be in seven four which is kind of an odd time signature. And it was a banjo roll originally. And so we kind of took, took it off from there. You know, sometimes the music will just tell us um, what the song needs to be about. And sometimes, you know, an idea or an inspiration for a lyric will tell us what the music has to be about. I haven't yet tried to write in 7-4. I've managed 6-8 a couple of times and 5-4 once. It's just that lick. It goes back into 4, you know, after that. But um, it's just kind of interesting. And, you know, it took me a while to get it under my fingers because it just feels a little bit... Mm -hmm. That's an odd time signature, so 7 is an odd number. (laughs) So... Now, you were... uh, as you were talking about gun, you were you were mentioning you you were using, if I can remember my grammar correctly, uh, third person. I think or saying we see where it took us. Uh, was that a collaboration effort? That song or gun was yeah. Okay. No, I I mostly I would say ninety nine percent of everything I write is their collaborations. I really like the co writing process. Um, I get my best ideas bouncing them off other people. I just feel like it's, you know, Nashville is a co-writing town. I mean, they encourage that. I don't know that I've written a song by myself in a long time. You know, I write. I have a lot of ideas for songs mm-hmm. that I create myself, and then, you know, I'll bring those ideas to a writing session. And, um, you know, so that's kind of where I start. I could write... I mean, I could write songs by myself, but I just don't. I don't like to as much as, you know, as the co-writing process. I just, I think it's more fun. How does that uh, the 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 seeds? How do the seeds get planted for that? Uh, <clears throat> do you you mentioned that you might get an idea? That do you do you set aside time to think about those things, or do you just kind of wait and see what comes? Or how does that work for you? Um. 
Well, it, you know, in Nashville, and I think it's, you know, it kind of comes from the, um, the Tin Pan Alley, you know, in mm-hmm. New York, like where they used to, you know, the Brill Building, where they used to write, you know, it was, it's, it was my job, basically, to write songs. And so, you know, I show up for work at 11 o'clock and meet someone, a co-writer, you know, sometimes someone who I haven't co-written with, sometimes, you know, a favorite co-writer, sometimes an artist. Um, you meet at 11 o'clock, and your intention is to write a song. You have 11 till 2, and then at 2 o'clock you have another, maybe another co-write with somebody else. And so it's, <clears throat> you know, after after I was there a couple years and kind of doing that, I just thought, you know, when people say, well, what do you do when you get writer's block? And it's like... What is that? <laughs> you don't get writer's block. It's like when you show up every day and that's your job, you just write. I mean, it just, you start to realize that there's no such a thing as writer's block. The only, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something else. It's a mental, it's just a discipline. You show up and you write. And now I'm, I'm not saying that every song you write is going to be great, but every song will be good. And every song will fit into, um, you know, it'll have the parameters needed to, to communicate an idea um, in that, that system. I mean, there's certainly a lot of people that don't write that way, and especially artists that are writing. You know, they, they have a more introspective um, process, I think. But, you know, when you're co-writing with people, if you're in a band or, you know, you're co-writing that way... Um, you just kind of learn, you know, to trust this process and, to, you know, to learn when to know when to be the scribe and to learn when to know to lead. And, you know, sometimes you'll be writing and someone will just be like on fire, you know, and you're like, OK, you know, I'm just I'm just taking it down, you know, and and sometimes you're that way, you know, as in the session, sometimes it's even sometimes it's like pulling teeth. It just you just don't know. Does that tend happen? So, does that tend to work where you come in and your eleven o'clock shows up, and do you get do the two of you or one of you come in with? Is there a general pattern? I mean, do you come in with a, a riff, or does somebody come in with a phrase, or? Um. Yeah. I mean, that you know, I have a title. I have titles in my phone. I'm always writing down titles to songs or ideas for songs. So I'll come in, it's, you know, it's really not, it's really a good idea to have something. You know, hey, you know what do you got? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you just sit down and just, you know, shoot the bull for an hour. Just talk, you know, what are you, what are you up to? What's going on in your life? Um, you, know, you know, I saw Stevie Nicks last night, you know, it blew my mind. Um, I was just thinking about this, um, this, young, this young woman that I wrote, with a, a few times, and um, you know, we were trying to like give her ideas and and stuff, and it just like I just realized at one point that she was really just wanting to um, write about things that were really important to her at the moment, you know. And we started talking about Stevie Nicks, and she just lit up. And I thought, oh well, then we should we need to write something that. Um, that has that kind of energy, you know, that brings it out in her. Because she's an artist. And I said, um, we wrote a song called They Don't Make Them Like Stevie Anymore, about Stevie Nicks. And we just, 
you know, we just watched her and listened to some of her songs, and and we just got all these ideas and images of Stevie Nicks on stage and how, you know, she's been such a huge influence on so many young performers, <laughs> especially women, you know, because she was one of the first... Um, well, I mean, there was other ones, but I mean, she was a she's a prominent uh, female songwriter, singer songwriter, and she influenced a lot of people. So we just got this really cool song, you know, and we we kind of mm. cop some of the you know Fleetwood Mac mm. feel, and we we got we came out with a really good song, and she was really happy with it. So you kind of have to feel feel the energy of the room, you know. But it's a good good idea to have an idea. If you can't come up with something, a lot of times you'll come up with something just out of a conversation, you know, because your brain is, you're like, your intention is to write a song. And so your, mm. your brain is, is, your creative channel is open, you know, so it's like everyone's like waiting for that idea to, to solidify and that everyone is you know, if you're if you're writing with one person or several people, you know, it's like everyone needs to be on board with the idea. And if they're not on board with it and everyone else is, then they need to to just be quiet <laughs> and just get on board. You know, in Nashville, if you're you know, if you, the rule is like if you're in the room when the song's being written, you're an equal participant. Even if you have one come up with one word or even if you just bring coffee. If, because the, it's kind of the, the collective energy right. that creates the song. Even though somebody might be a great lyricist, it's what goes on in that, in that room at that time that creates the song. So I know, you know, in L.A. it's different. You know, they nitpick over every word. It's like, well, that's my word, that's my word. So I get 37.2% of this song. Well, wait a minute, that's my guitar. You know, so it's just, I, that just seems just really awkward and clunky to me i i could never do that it's like you know but if you have seven people writing a song you know and and if it generates a certain amount of money you know then somebody might but i just i don't know nashville's just more laid back about that i've only tried my hand at collaboration once uh with another local songwriter and we met over breakfast and we talked some things out and we wrote yeah. some things, stuff down and sent stuff back and forth and I think we ultimately ended up with two different versions of the song yeah <laughs> you know it's definitely it's definitely a rhythm that you get into and it's a it's a mindset that you have to agree to you know and you have to understand you know what what is kind of expected but once once all that that's kind of like, you know, after you've been there a while and you kind of see how other people are doing it, you kind of get with with the program or you or you don't, you know, you just go off and write your own stuff or what or however that works. But um you know, I think originally it was just, you know, that it's like two heads are better than one. Right. And also it's like two completely different sets of contacts. You know, writer A may have, you know, a way to get to producer A, B, and C, and writer B may have a way to get to producer D, E, and F, and artist, you know, artist A, and, you know, so it's, it kind of spreads out your contacts, because you're writing not for yourself, you're writing for someone else. You're writing songs to pitch to other artists, you know, and 
um, you know, the best thing to do is to write with the artist because then you're, you don't have to bypass all these gatekeepers. You're like in there, in the center of it. More of a challenge here in Idaho, I suspect. <laughs> yes, it, it's, I think it is, you know. I mean, I love, I love songwriting. I love the process. You know, I, I mean, I, I teach um, songwriting. I mentor songwriters. They bring their songs to me. You know, I, I, I look at them. I've done a, about 14,000 songs that I've mentored people on. And, you know, it's like, I think I've done it so many times that I, it's like I just have an innate sense of, like, where a song's not working. Like, why am I not feeling what you're trying to tell me? I should be feeling something. If this is an honest truth that you're telling, I should be feeling it, you know, um, most of the time. You know, sometimes, obviously, you know, I might be tired or involved in my own dramas, but <clears throat> mostly when I'm working, you know, as a song mentor, I am able to do that. Just Just listen and feel it. And like, I go, okay, so... I was really feeling it here, and then all of a sudden it just kind of, I just started thinking. So what did you do that made me think instead of continue to feel? And so you kind of pick apart the lyric that way, and you really find out that, yeah, okay, I see what I did. You know, mm -hmm. I got sidetracked, or I put in some information that was not important to the story, or... You know, there's not enough imagery in it, and it's too intellectual. Or what, you know, there's a, a million things that can go wrong right. in a song. And so it's just kind of developing this kind of, uh, it feels like intuition now, but I know that I worked at it to get to the point of being intuitive about huh. it. I suspect that probably at least 900,000 of those things have gone wrong with my own songs. So. Well, you know, I've made all those mistakes myself. You know, so I so I know firsthand what, you know, what it's like. Well, now I can take my own lyric. I can take a lyric of my own song, as if someone else had written it. Like with no, I wouldn't say no, but with very little emotional attachment to it, because I want the song to work. That's my goal. You know, if the song doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You know, if I, gee, you know, gee, my feelings are hurt. You didn't like it. Well. I didn't do my work. If it's not communicating, I did not do the work. So, and, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of fun actually to look at a lyric and go, oh, yeah, why didn't I think of that when I was writing it? It's obvious. Now, you were talking about collaboration, and, and now you are embarking, you're embarking on a collaboration project with Steve Eaton, who's familiar to a lot of Idaho. Musicians, at least. Um, well, I wouldn't say we're we're not embarking on a collaboration project. We're just um, we're getting to know each other, and and we just started um, to um, some co-writing. Mm -hmm. So you know, to me, it's like the beginning of a, a a relationship. And I, I mean, I love the guy. I just, I just, you know, I just met him, and we, it was almost like we just felt so um, connected. You know, we have similar backgrounds in music and and we both I think are passionate about songwriting and the craft of it like get it right you know don't mess around with it like um so so we really clicked and I'm really looking forward to um you know kind of nurturing that relationship and because I think we could do some cool things together we'll we'll see so right now you you're 
you're maybe in that 11 to 12 o'clock slot where you're kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got together once um, so far and, you know, it, it just kind of, we're getting to know each other a little bit and how our process works, you know, and I think, um, you know, we're, uh, he's, we're, we're a similar generation. And so um, we were talking about some of those things that go along with being an older guy, you know, and, 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 um, you know, we came up with a really cool idea that I think it's going to really, um, going to work out. I don't want to say what it is yet. Okay. <laughs> I won't, but I think I won't it, you know, I think we, you know, and, and I, sometimes this weird thing happens, you know, in writing is that, um, somebody will just almost start channeling, like the words just kind of start coming out of your mouth. Like without thought, you know, you have like a rhythm or something and then, you know, and, and you just start singing just to like make a melody up and to hold a place. But some of the words that come out are really powerful and they really become part of the song, you know, and I, I don't know how that happens. That to me is like m- the magic part of it, how you can sit down and, and just have a, a cohesive lyric, not the whole song, but a cohesive lyric come out of your mouth when you're singing. Like, mm-hmm. how does that work? Something that you've never said or sung before comes out of your mouth, you know, and and that's why I said, you know, sometimes you got to be the scribe because uh, there's a great story that um, Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones was talking about co-writing, and <clears throat> he said he was writing with this young kid, and... And he said, he goes, I was just in the zone. Like I was just playing this great, cool riff, and the words were just pouring out of my mouth. And like, you know, and I was done, and I looked up and I said, did you get that? And the kid was just sitting there like, what? <laughs> and so it was like that moment, you know, this, this moment of him channeling this creative, whatever it was, flow coming down through him, and it was lost because he didn't remember any of it because he wasn't thinking about it. It was just coming through him. And the guy was like, you know, sitting with Keith Richards going, uh, uh, no, <laughs> I didn't get that, you know, probably the last time he'll ever have that opportunity to write with, because he didn't know, you know. And so, you know, being the scribe sometimes is really important just to be there and just get it down. Even if you have just, I always have my, my tape. My tape rolling? I don't have tape, and it's not rolling, but it's in my phone. My phone's recording, so. The zeros and ones. Yeah, zeros and ones. But, you know, sometimes, because I often won't remember what just came out of my mouth, and I'll say, what did I just say? Because it's like, it's this very in-the-moment kind of thing, you know, and it's like a part of your brain that's working that, that doesn't remember stuff. I've taken so. to occasionally texting myself stuff so that I don't forget it if I don't have paper. Or I always, almost always have a notebook with me. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's good, you know. Especially at my age, I can't remember Jack a uh, lot of times. So uh, I know the feeling, and my wife would agree that uh, I can't remember <laughs> anything either. I there's a um, a guy I used to work with. Um, his last name is Payne. I can't remember his first name. He's in L.A. and his his whole deal was he would. He would show up to a gig and he would like have the audience like shout out an idea, like a title or something, and he would write a song on stage, like 
in the moment, imp- improvising the whole thing. And that was like, he was great at it. I mean, you know, they weren't like amazing songs, but he could get through, you know, a verse and a chorus, and then a second verse and a chorus, and maybe a bridge, like every time. And it was just like, oh my God, how do you do that? And he said, I just train myself to not get in my own way. And of course, there's certain, you know, musical things that I'll do, you know, over and over again, you know, but like, he goes, I never know what's going to happen. It's like jumping off a cliff. <laughs> well, uh, and speaking of jumping. Harold Payne, that was his first name. And we yeah. uh, maybe jump into another song. Okay. Well, you know, I'll, since we're talking about the process, um, this is a co-writing session I had. And um, it's one of my favorite songs that I've written. I just really, I just love the feel. And I had this lick, and it's um, so it's it's a it's a waltz, and I love waltzes. They say you know in Nashville they have some rules like don't write a waltz, don't write a ballad, and don't write anything over three and a half minutes long. And so this breaks all those rules. So I had this lick. I just love the feel of it. And so my co-writer, Brandon James, was there, and we were just, just I was just playing this, and we were just kind of thinking, like brainstorming over it. And we decided that it sounded like it had something to do with the desert. We didn't know what. And so we thought of the Mojave Desert. And um, so we had that word Mojave. And then we were thinking about driving to Las Vegas from L.A. Because that's where I used to live. And we both had lived in L.A. And when you drive you know, to Las Vegas from L.A., you have to go through... Um, um, through, this, through the desert. And there's these little towns like Barstow and all these little towns that have these cinder block bars. You know, you're driving along this highway and there's a bar... And it's made out of cinder block, and it's like, you don't want to go in there because it looks scary. You know, and at 8 in the morning, there's like four pickup trucks in front of this bar. They're already drinking, you know. So we thought, well, let's write a song about that. So we did, and this is what kind of came out of it. Well, it's 120 degrees in Death Valley today And the sun's like a hammer Even cactus are praying for shade It's too hot in this bar Swamp cooler is busted again And just when I thought I'd pass out Well, that's when she walked in Mojave Road Like a breath of fresh air The fragrance of sage Fills up the room 
whenever she's there. Mojave Rose, such a sweet desert flower. Hope she stays for a while Cause whenever she smiles Cool water flows Mojave Rose Well it's Billy the barkeep The town drunk The sheriff and me We all watch her sit in corner and sip her iced tea Well I know that she's loved and she's lost more than anyone should Oh, but somehow a light still pours off her And turns my bad day to good Mojave Rose Like a breath of fresh air The fragrance of sage Fills up the room Whenever she's there Mojave Rose Such a sweet desert flower Hope she stays for a while Cause whenever she smiles Water flows Mojave Such a sweet desert flower Wherever she goes Cool water flows I'm in love, I suppose With Mojave Rose Mojave Rose Mojave Rose Mojave Rose I've had a chance to hear that song a few times 
when you've been in Boise, and I love that song because, in part, because it reminds me of part of my childhood. I, I spent several years living in the Mojave Desert, so. Oh, you did. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I. So you've been to that bar. Well, I wasn't old enough, but my mother worked there probably. So oh yeah. <laughs> maybe she was. Maybe she was a, a Mojave rose. Could have been her. That <laughs> was a long time ago, though. Well, it's you know, it's just kind of, it's just so much fun when you, you know, when something like that comes out of, out of thin air, really, or out of a guitar lick, or you know, it's just to me, I just, I'm never cease to be amazed at what can happen when you get together to write a song, or you know, when you put your intention to it. So, now, when you were in Nashville, you also had, uh, I don't know, side business doesn't sound like the right way to call it, and maybe it wasn't a side, maybe it was actually your main business, where you would record uh, demos of of people's songs for them to be able to, to pitch right. to. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and I did some records, too. Will, a lot of demos. Did that business survive the move to Idaho? Will you still be doing that kind of thing? Um, yes, I'm definitely going to do that here. I haven't... Um, I haven't quite landed um, my studio yet. I have all my equipment, and um, you know I'm planning to to set that up because I would really like to be part of, uh, you know, because um, I love to produce. You know, that's kind of, you know, the songwriting is one kind of one half of, of me, and and the guitar playing and the you know putting together stuff musically and and stuff is the other part I love to do. So yeah, that definitely is going to be happening. My studio is called Little Eden. Um, like the Garden of Eden, Little Eden Music. And um, so if you, uh, it's online, littleedenmusic.com. So. And, and we'll put the link in the show notes so everybody yeah, will be able to my, check that out. Yeah, and my phone number is, you know, gets me anywhere I am. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, thank you for asking me about that. Oh, no problem. We aim to please. <laughs> 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 I was going to save this for last, but. Because we've talked a lot about songwriting, it seems like a good place to bring this back up. I, I came across a Bob Dylan quote. I was looking for one quote that somebody had posted in a songwriting forum and couldn't find that one. But I came this. I, I came up with this one. And at one point he had said, if you don't have to write songs, why write them? What keeps you writing? Um, love, really. I mean, I just love... The creative process, and you know, for whatever reasons, um, that's kind of where I landed as far as how I express myself creatively is in the, in songwriting. Um, you know, I think everybody has, um, you know, some kind of creative genius that that they um, could be doing. You know, I think a lot of us are kind of programmed, you know, from a very young age to uh, to kind of um, uh, you know, bury that part, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, we think we have to get a job and, and we, we have to get a job, we have to work, but, you know, we don't have to necessarily do um, what everybody else is doing, you know, and there's, there's lots of ways to, to create a life that isn't necessarily just a, a nine to five, you know, I've been able to do it, um, you know, with the help of, of, you know, partners that I've, you know, been married to and had relationships with too. So it's kind of a, it's a collective effort. Any kind of uh, creative endeavor, I think, is. So, um, <clears throat> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I I think you've you've answered it pretty well. Okay. Why 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 keep writing? And uh, yeah I think you've yeah I know you know I, 
it's just this funny, weird thing, you know, like I, I can't think of a, a day I haven't woke up and thought, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should do something else. Like maybe I really should get a job and, you know, and then I, and then I wake up a little and go, oh yeah, I, I can't do that, <laughs> you know, cause I'm a songwriter and I'm, you know, and I'm a guitar player and a performer and, you know, I think what I do has value as much value as, you know, someone who's doing something else, you know, and, and it's just, it's hard because it's such an intangible, you know, being creative is so intangible. Like what, you know, well, what is, you know, what, what really does music do? You know, can you make a chart that shows me how it generates income or generates, you know, it just doesn't, you know, it's, it's an intangible thing. Um, you know, but it's so important. It's an important part of being a human being is, you know, is, is love. And so, and love of, you know, like, you know, I'm looking around your room and there's all these objects, you know, that, that beautify this place, you know, someone created everything in this room, you know, that lamp was created by someone who had an artistic vision. And so we don't realize how much, you know, creativity and art is involved in our everyday lives. Well, that intangibility that you were you're speaking about also, on the flip side, makes it easy when bean counters or accountants or, you know, the people that have to keep track of the money come in and, and looking for somewhere to cut in those places where they can't quantify. Right, right. <clears throat> But you know, I mean, if you look at our country now, I mean, it's it's really obvious that that a lot of things have been um, removed that are important. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the um, uh, this uh, a guy I know who is a storyteller from up in Seattle who does that for a living. Um, you know, he uh, he says that that um, art is the antidote to violence. I mean, that he's convinced that that's what you know, that is what cools that part of our soul, you know, the rage and the violence. What cools that is art and creativity. And so, you know, when you have consistently everyone cutting art programs and music programs from schools, like, you know, all these kids are growing up without anything to cool them down. You know, they don't have anything to, a place where they can express, you know, their soul and their love. And so, it erupts because it's energy and it erupts in, you know, harmful ways and takes a lot of people down with it, you know. And so I think it's really important, you know, that, I mean, I, you know, I'm the guy that, you know, that, you know, the parents of a kid who's like, who doesn't want to go to medical school, she wants to be an artist, you know, and they're trying to talk her out of it. And I'm the guy that says, no, man, be an artist, do that, you know. Don't be don't do something you don't want to do just to make money. That's crazy. You know, because you find out down the down the line how much of your soul that takes away mm -hmm. to do something that's not something that you want to do. And of course, you know, as a parent, um, my son is a musician and I, you know, I go, man, did I do the right thing? Because <laughs> I encouraged him. He's a brilliant guy, you know, and he's a brilliant musician. And I just thought, how can how could I try to take that away and say, look, you need to have, you need to make a living, you know? No, this is what he does. It, it's going to be hard, you know? And because I've done it my whole life and it's hard, 
you know, but it's, it's necessary and somebody has to do it because everybody consumes music, you know, they consume art, you know, you got it on your walls. Well, even in the, in the years when I've had a full-time job, I, I, I couldn't imagine most days not writing. Right. Yeah. It, uh, and I'm not saying you have to forsake one for the other. No. There's definitely, you know, I mean, but, you know, art is really important to have something somewhere in your life where you go, where you bring your soul and, and water it, you know, because yeah. that waters the world, I think. Well, you, you can't really create new worlds if you can't imagine them. Yeah, that's true. So. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I meet so many, I mean, it's like a lot of people, you know, they're, especially professional people. I can meet a lot of lawyers and doctors, you know, people that really spend a lot of time like on their careers who, you know, they're just like closet guitar players. You go to their house and they have fabulous guitars, you know, and they learn songs and they play. And, and, you know, my cousin is a urologist and he's like a music fanatic, you know, and he just loves, loves all of it. So there has to be, you know, a creative outlet, I think, you know, no matter no matter what you do. Well, on the subject of of playing, you have any uh, favorite memories of of living and working in Nashville? Yeah, I do. There was there was um, a friend of mine, Mike Williams, who's a, an old folky. I mean, he's like from, I think he's from Texas. He's this big guy. He's got this gigantic guitar with a triangle shaped, you know. Hole, sound hole in it, you know, it's a 12 string. Most people can't even lift it. I mean, things like massive, it's like a diesel or something. And he's this big guy and he plays, you know, beautiful folk songs. And, and he used to have a thing in his house called the six chair picking party. And it was every other week on a Wednesday night. You drive to his house, he had a really steep driveway. A sign out front said, um, stay off or park off road. Sing on key. Was it like the, that was the, or yeah, something like that. That was the sign. And we would walk up there and, you know, and every, every Wednesday or every other Wednesday night, he would have six amazing songwriters, singer songwriters. Like Janice Ian was there once. Um, Steve Seskin from Ella, uh, from San Francisco, who's a, a brilliant songwriter and great singer player. I mean, everybody. You know, and they would, you know, they'd come up and they'd say, you know, I wrote the song today, you know, at, at a writing session. They'd play it, you know, and then like three weeks later, you'd hear it on the radio. Some major <laughs> artist cut it. And, you know, if you weren't playing, you'd sit in the audience on the floor. And he had this like cheesy thing on the floor that was supposed to look like a campfire. It had like orange light bulbs and cellophane, you know, and with a little fan. That would be the campfire. And... um they were big um, people into that um, Kerrville Folk Festival down in Texas. They would go to Kerrville every year for like a month, you know, and just stay in their RV and, and stuff. So that was just, you know, it was this beautiful music community, you know. People just came, you know, no egos, just play your songs. Um, and then you'd have like a pilgrim, a pilgrim chair, and that would be like, you know, I think I I got to be a featured artist a couple times, but mostly I was a pilgrim, you know, and you'd get to play one song. And they would just go around, you know, 
you get to play, be Walt's song and then Bruce's song and then Janice Ian's song and you just go round robin through the six people, you know, and people brought food and it was just so much fun. Um, you know, every Wednesday I bring my son, you know, he would, he was like, I think, he started playing the violin at age six and by the time he was eight, he was like playing along with people there. Wow. It was just a beautiful music community, you know, never any lack of, of talented people, you know, dedicated to it. I think that was probably the, the, the highlight of, you know, when I was first there. And then they moved. They oh. moved to New York City. His wife was the head of the Girl Scouts. And they moved to New York City, and they started doing it in the village, like in Greenwich Village. Oh. <laughs> you know, and he, I mean, he knew Dave Van Ronk. He knew all these folk guys, you know, famous people. And they would come up, and, and they, they um, eventually got shut down because so many people were riding up on the elevator to their their um, loft mm. that people that lived in the building were complaining so but he's he's back in Nashville now and I think they're doing it just occasionally so it was just a beautiful thing I, I've heard of similar things I, uh, I think the phrase I've heard is guitar pole yeah it was a like, yeah it's a, like a guitar pole is more like a big circle right. you know and you just pass a guitar around or everyone has one and you just go around Robin and um, you know it's just it's it's amazing. You get to hear all these, you know, wonderful artists play songs they were working on or just written or, you know, they'll never be recorded, you know, just kind of just the song of the day. It was really, it was really, really nice. I really um, enjoyed that, you know. Uh, now, you know, Nashville is so big now and there's so many people moving there. It's just, it's lost a lot of that kind of campfire feel, you know. There's a lot of great people there still, but it's just not quite as um, as open, you know. Do you have a, a favorite kind of place that you like to perform when you do perform when you go out and perform? Um, my favorite venue is a house concert. You know, are do, are you familiar mm -hmm. with that? Yeah. yeah. So you know, I find people all over the country, um, hopefully, and they'll host me. They'll invite you know thirty or forty people and. They um, you can't you don't charge money, but it's a suggested donation. Right. Most everyone does, and and all the money goes to the artists, which is really nice. Get to meet great people, be in a really intimate situation in a living room. Get to meet everyone, and you know, and then hopefully they'll sign my mailing list. And then the next time I'm in that area, I'll just email them and say, "Hey, anybody want to host me?" <laughs> you know, and it's just it's really cool. Thing and you know people that have never been to a house concert, you know if it's a good if it's a good concert they'll just like um, they're just besides themselves about how much fun it is, like wow this is so cool it's so intimate it's so wonderful it's such a great way to hear music you know in the living room. We've done a couple of informal house concerts for our neighbors on Fourth yeah. of July kind of stuff so yeah. you know, familiar with that a little well, bit. Well, there's there's actually. Um, Something called Concerts in Your Home. Um, it's online if you uh, look it up, concertsinyourhome.com. And, you know, they have a curated list. I'm one of their performers. Um, costs money to join, but they, you know, so they have um, house concert hosts all over the country. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's, it's like because it's so hard to make a living as a songwriter these days, it's one way that uh, songwriters are, you know, able to 
make a living. I'm well, really grateful for it. We'll try to get a link to that in the show notes as well, because uh, that sounds like a, a great resource. Yeah, and there's uh, not a lot out here, because he's based in Florida. There's a lot of house concerts hosts down there, but he's building it. Um, Fran Snyder is the guy that runs it. And I know there are a few other artists around here who do tour and do a lot of house mm-hmm. concerts, and I, I think are always looking to expand. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So I only have one more question, I think, uh, unless there's anything that we haven't talked about that you think we need to talk about. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about the Boise scene. Like, what? how do you find it here? Because I'm new to the area. And- well... How I would answer that is uh, there seem to be a lot of places to play. We've had mixed success, but we are not that well-known and uh, not that good at networking, apparently. Um, But there are quite a few places, I think. Uh, Coffee shops, uh, restaurants, depends, you know, everything from bars to farmer's markets. We do a lot of farmer's markets, Mm -hmm. for instance. Um, And that seems to be... Are you doing original stuff? It depends on the venue, but uh, we have a place that we we play on occasion that that's all they they want, and so we'll do three hours of originals there. Cool. Um, you know, the farmer's markets and the other venues, we we do tend to be about 70, 75, 25, 70, 30. And we say we, you're talking about you and your wife? Yes. my wife, wife's name? Teresa. Teresa. My okay. wife is the band. She's the band? <laughs> the you're the, are you the roadie? <laughs> I'm the roadie. I'm the singer. I'm the hand percussion. I'm uh, the lyricist and, and primary songwriter, I guess. So she plays the guitar? She plays the guitar. Yeah. And uh, she does most of the arranging because my courting skills are... I think it would be fair to say that they suck. Uh, I don't use that word. I don't use it very often, but... Uh, You're developing guitar. I'm developing. I have, I have managed to chord a few <clears throat> of my songs, but most of them uh, I leave to her. and Occasionally she's not feeling it, so she'll uh, try to come up with a new chord progression, and then we'll rework the melody from there. Yeah, so. now you can imagine, you know, I, I worked for NSAI for several years as the head song evaluator, and so, you know, when I say 14,000 songs, I mean, um, you know, I really learned that, that you know, what what's the joy in doing that kind of work is helping to nurture people to become better, you know, and so... You know, using words like suck and, you know, crappy song, you know, it's like, it just, that is not, um, that's counterproductive to the creative no. process, especially we, because we all have so much of our heart and soul wrapped up into it. It's really easy to get wounded, you know? Yes. And, and so, you know, I, I discourage people from using those words, even about themselves. I will say my courting skills are not well developed at this point then. Yeah, see, now that, you know, that... That 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 leaves opening for positive for for improvement. When you say it, they suck. It doesn't. It's just like a put down, you know. And right, that's, that's right. can be a dagger, you know, um, to someone who, especially who's someone who isn't around it a lot, you know, who's just trying, you know, and they're really right. timid about it, and they like give you their song. And it's like they're a little baby, you know, and you're like, man, that sucks. And, and I like, and I've okay. been, and I've been writing for a long year. I'll, a long time, and my songs are still kind of like that. It's I've, it's taken me a long time to develop a slightly thicker skin to be able to hear yeah. stuff about my song. <clears throat> but on the other hand, I also feel like I'm finally starting to write something a little better too. Yeah, so, well, you know, is, it takes a it's a process, and I just you know I think it's um, 
you know, it, it just takes... Some people seem to have a real... Um, they seem to be more adept more quickly. And I think that's, you know... There's a lot of things you can do to become a better songwriter. Read, you know, read as much as you can. You know, I, I use watching movies as an excuse. <laughs> you know, I'm developing my songwriting skills by watching this movie, you know, about um, whatever, <laughs> you know, about these aliens that are taking over a planet. Because, um, and I do, I do think it, it's, it is helpful to keep your mind always just, you know, expanding, so... I, I try to I try to tell people that uh, I try to stay open. Just mm-hmm. my keep my eyes open. I keep my ears open. Yeah, absolutely. And and generally my mouth closed so that I can hear things or see things. I I, I mean I've I've gotten lines just from listening to what somebody said, and it was, I'd hear it. And I think I got to write that down. That's that that's going in a song somehow Mm -hmm. i don't know what song yet yeah i mean Uh, just look around the room you can find all kinds of things you know you have this like curtain up here um it's got all these different names of things on them you got a picture of a of a king on your wall you know there's a (laughs) all this you know cool stuff a clock a coat hanger with hats you know any of this stuff could be you know, you could find a, an angle to it, a chessboard, a lamp. True, true. A it, dog. A dog. I've written a couple songs about this dog, so that none of which have been uh, performed, but uh, as yet. Speaking of uh, performing, maybe I'll ask you to do one more song, and uh, we can. Okay. Um, what do you want to hear? I mean, do you have some kind of any? No, uh, if you've got another of your songs that uh, you're fond of or that you think uh, would give people a good uh, taste of what they might expect when they come to see Bruce Michael Miller. Okay, well, this is kind of a, you know, they always say, um, don't ever end on a ballad, but too bad. So this song is called Faith in Water. It's actually the title cut of my latest CD. And um, it's about water. On the banks of the Kiowa, Ruth and John vowed forever. Faith and love Baptized and wed Their two hearts ran Together And with the river Rolling by Their love was sanctified And so began their faith in water The sun has burnt The marks of time Into the lines Of their faces 
Those Oklahoma droughts are hell They drive you to desperate places But they always knew the rain Would fall again And they always kept their faith In water Water like rivers Water like rain Bringing new life To the dusty plains Bathing their souls Making them whole a clear running stream Washing them clean In 2005 in Afghanistan They lost their son in battle Drowning in A flood of tears They felt their lives Unravel But every day they prayed Those tears Would wash away the pain And they never lost their faith in water Water like rain and water like tears Water that soothed their sorrow through the years Bathing their souls, making them whole a clear running stream Washing them clean Water On the banks of the Kiowa Two hearts ran Together, my thanks to Bruce Michael Miller. You can find links to his website and the other sites discussed in the show notes at measured voices.blogspot.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Measured Voices. Next time out, I sit down with Tom Taylor. I'm Walt Huntsman. Thanks for listening.